This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Life expectancy in the United States has increased by about 15 years since the 1950s, and right now approximately 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day, and that trend will continue until around the year 2030. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, seniors are expected to make up over 20 percent of the country's population by that year, and that percentage will be considerably higher here in Florida, where 21.3 percent of the population is already over 65. This means considerably more seniors are going to require assistance from senior living communities, and there is already a shortage of staff in this country to handle the current levels at existing facilities. My guest today says that technology is going to have to be the key to making sure the system can handle the growth. Dan Lavender is CEO of Moorings Park in Naples. He was on the Florida Gulf Coast University campus last week to give a presentation on the current state and future of senior living, so we brought him by the studio to chat. Let's hear that conversation now. Dan Lavender, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you. Great to be here, Mike. Uh, So for starters, can you describe Moorings Park and the work that's done there to somebody as if you were just meeting them in the world and they said, so what do you do? What is Moorings Park? Yeah. Moorings Park has about a a thousand units, just under a thousand units now, and it's a variety of different levels of service that's provided to seniors. We have independent living and people in independent living uh, are able to socialize. They get meals from us in high-end restaurants to assisted living, where they begin to need help with uh, daily living, like be- bathing and dressing, all the way to skilled care, where it can be more acute, maybe even therapy or some kind of rehab that's taking place. So you move into Moorings Park, you get this great social network and independent living, and then as your needs change over time, all the services that you need are right there for you. Are the different segments uh, geographically separate or is it all kind of merged together? Uh, it's a little bit of both. There'll be some buildings where an assisted living is on one floor and an independent living is on another floor. There'll be one of our campuses, the assisted living and the skilled nursing are actually in separate buildings. We are in Florida, so being outside is is very easy to do and actually encouraged. Understood. Um, so, um, it's a life plan provider, which I understand normally or historically has been called a continuing care retirement community. Um, what is the difference between that and what we think of as like a retirement home or an assisted living facility? Is that is that just all encompassing and those things kind of fit within it or like help with the nomenclature? Yeah, the, what's called a life plan community or a continuing care retirement community would have each of those contain each of those separate elements. So we have an assisted living facility licensed, we have a skilled nursing facility licensed, and then we have the independent living. In the state of Florida, the Office of Insurance Regulation actually governs. We have our, we have our license from the Office of Insurance Regulation. So when you come into Moorings Park, it's called a life care community, you actually are pre-buying those assisted living and skilled nursing uh, care services when you need them later on. So we're a little bit like an insurance product. Some continuing care retirement communities are pay-as-you-go, and then they're not necessarily licensed by the Office of Insurance uh, Regulation, but Moorings Park is. Uh, If your needs change, you can move and access those higher level of cares uh, without paying additional fees. Understood. And it's a nonprofit. And what I really want to know is, is how common is that for a place like this to be nonprofit? It was started in 1977 as a nonprofit. When that happened in 1977, there were actually uh, a court case about uh, an independent living facility, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court determined in that landmark case that the elderly have special physical, emotional, and financial needs. 
And so since that time, uh, there are a lot of for-profit companies that do CCRCs and things like that, maybe not different than hospitals, but there are more uh, that are like us, 501c3, not-for-profit. What that allows us to do is make sure that the care is at a higher level and any time we generate any margins, uh, we're able to put it back into the services that we provide. You've been there since uh, 2006, if I'm not mistaken, CEO since 2009. How did you wind up in this field? Because I looked at your resume and, it, and it's more like accounting and things like that. Sure, yeah, my degrees are in accounting and economics. And uh, when I got out of uh, graduate school, my wife and I actually started a business. And uh, we worked together for five years. We looked at each other and we were making about $5 an hour. We were having a lot of fun, <laughs> doing good stuff. Uh, and we thought maybe this isn't gonna work long time. So I, I went out and looked for a career. And I was gonna look for something uh, where you know, I, I could do well. I wanted to do well, but I also wanted to serve. And I looked at, would I serve children or would I serve elderly, the special needs that are there. And I ended up with a company called Ohio Presbyterian Retirement Services in, based in Columbus, Ohio. It's one of the 15 largest nonprofit providers in the country. And here I am 30-some years later uh, talking to you. How similar or different is what happens at Moorings Park today as compared to when you first got there? Well, I mean, I came in 2006. and uh, Which seems like just yesterday. It does it's seem like just yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've got an iPhone here uh, laying on the desk. They didn't even exist in 2006, right? So... I think Moorings Park has always been a mission-driven organization. Our mission is to help people successfully age. You come into Moorings Park, we want to make sure that you have the highest level of functionality, the greatest health span for as long as possible. So that basic mission has not changed. How we deliver that to you has changed completely. Uh, we had nobody in the wellness department. Uh, that wasn't even a thing in 2006. Define wellness department, like people like... Um, That's you know, so like, that you can go to a yoga class right. or you can get an exercise or you can have a personal trainer to help you work out at the facilities. We had maybe a thousand square feet of exercise equipment. Today, this year's budget, we have 23 full-time equivalents in uh, wellness. We have state-of-the-art gyms on every one of our campus. We have now uh, physicians hired. Uh, we have uh, four physicians that are working for Moorings Park and they do nothing but serve uh, our clientele. We still do all the other stuff we uh, did, which is like FGCU's uh, Renaissance Academy, uh, if that's still what it's called, comes down and does lectures for intellectual stimulation. We have all kind of social so that people get connected and develop strong relationships. We still have great dining uh, in uh, a, a variety of restaurants. But how we've defined successful aging and what the current customer wants and expects and how we've had to change our operation is dramatically different than it, than it was in 2006. So your talk is on the current state and future of senior living. Um, you just described how much change has occurred over the last 17 years. So what are the current challenges that you're facing? And then we'll get into you know, the future. But what are the current challenges that you're facing? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest challenge right now is the same thing that anybody who's running any operation is starting to experience, especially over the last few years, and that's the availability of staffing, right? So we spend a lot of time uh, training searching for and garnering staffing. We're very fortunate at Moorings Park. We have very limited number of openings at the present time. Uh, but 
That is what we spend a lot of time in order to deliver the great service I just talked to you about. You need nurses, you need doctors, you need waiters in the dining room, you need great graduates of, of FGCU that are uh, exercise scientists working in your wellness department. And uh, that, as I you'll, you saw in what I'm going to be talking to students about later today, is a very critical issue that we're going to have to solve to help meet the needs of seniors now and into the future. Is that a matter of uh, there's too much need, so there's not enough trained people? Or is that a matter of um, there are trained people, but they just want to do something else? I think it's a matter of demographics. The people that are 65 plus uh, and the amount of people that are in the workforce. So I, I don't think senior living is any different than any of the other businesses that are out there uh, right now. There are more open positions than there are people looking for those open positions. And uh, I do think a little bit of what you said is true. Maybe there's other fields that they're getting into. People want to work at home more now, especially coming out of COVID. And of course, when you're in a high-touch service business like we are, uh, you know, you can't have people working from home. They have to be there uh, uh, delivering the care uh, directly. So I don't think it's a specific challenge to our industry. I think it's a wider issue uh, that's affecting all industries. How did uh, COVID, especially the, that first year, um, change the direction of what you do? Well, I think it was dramatic. And I think we all experienced this, anybody that, that, that had a business. Uh, we went from high touch, lots of interaction to shutting down. Uh, we went from roughly 450 people in our various dining rooms every night to delivering those 450 uh, meals uh, to the door. We saw, because we have to manage the pipeline for the internet, our resident use huh. go from one level and we had to keep adding on bandwidth. So, you know, just like anything else, there were a lot of very difficult challenges. I mean, I'm, I, I personally believe that one of the biggest detriments uh, for aging is if you get in an environment where you're isolated, and Moorings Park as a community uh, really works hard to prevent that and get that social interaction. You know, when you're, when you're meeting with people, it, it just creates, uh, you know, a, a better outlook on life. But even at Moorings Park during uh, COVID, uh, you saw a lot of isolation because people were getting in their homes. We had to figure out very quickly how to deliver the workouts uh, over the closed TV so that even though people couldn't go to the gym, they'd still have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, I think we tried very uh, quickly as soon as it was safe to get people back in the dining rooms, and we did that. Uh, but I don't think that uh, just like our business, all businesses have changed dramatically as a result of uh, COVID. We, we need to use a lot more technology, and we're using a lot more technology in the delivery of services than we did two or three years ago. We'll talk a little more about the technology in a second. Sure. I want to touch on one more demographic shift. So I've learned through research for this uh, conversation that um, approximately 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day now, and that's going to continue for the next 15, 18 years. Yes. Um, that has to be a huge center of gravity in what you're trying to do when you talk about the future is catering to those people, the expectations they have that are going to be different than the expectations that their parents had, et cetera. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. In our industry, we've been used to that as we've gone through the great generation to the silent generation, and we actually have boomers now at Moorings Park. 
there's been changes in what the expectations and needs are all through that process. I think we're pretty well through set up for that now uh, with some of the changes we've made in our facilities, as I've talked about expanding the wellness areas, uh, adding in more technology. Uh, but that happens every 10 to 12 years in our industry. The, cha- the, the change of the needs and the expectations uh, occur, and we have to rise to meet them. How does it work? Um, does insurance cover this, I guess, is the question. I don't think from what I've learned through my own personal life that you know Medicare, Medicaid, things like that don't pay for this kind of care, right? They do not. So uh, there are some states that have experimented with assisted living, uh, getting covered by Medicaid, but in generally there's, there's not. A lot of people have uh, long-term care insurance policies, and uh, there is no standard long-term care insurance policy, so there's just a variety of different coverages. But uh, long-term care can pay for assisted living stays. It can pay for home health. It can pay even for time in a skilled nursing facility. Skilled nursing facilities do take Medicaid and Medicare. Medicaid uh, is only when you really have no assets and no income, Medicaid comes in. Medicare comes in generally when it's rehab. So if you've had a three-day hospital stay, you go into a skilled nursing facility, and there is a plan to actually get you better, Medicare will cover. Unless you have long-term care insurance, most of the long-term needs are going to be paid for privately. I know this isn't necessarily Moorings Park's department, but as so many people are aging, you know, is the industry concerned about lots of people who aren't going to have the means to have this kind of care? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're already seeing that today. Uh, But the state of Florida for a while now has been doing a lot of studies on what it's going to cost for these kind of things. And uh, there really is only about a quarter of the population that is really ready for retirement, especially now when you consider People aren't living to 76 going forward. They're going to be living to 80 and 85 and 90, so the needs are going to be even better. And uh, so we're at a real point where the future needs to see a lot of technological uh, development to bring the cost of the kind of care that's going to be necessary down. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guest. Dan Lavender is CEO of Moorings Park in Naples. We're discussing the current state and future of senior living, which is the topic of his discussion this week as part of FGCU's Provost's Seminar Series in partnership with the Naples Discussion Group. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Just use the hashtag GCL. So let's pivot now to the future side of your talk. You've talked about technology a couple times. Are we talking like robots? Are we talking, you know, virtual reality? experiences? I mean, is that all stuff that's on your plate as far as what you're working toward? Sure, absolutely. It's something that we're investigating uh, all the time. And uh, one of the things I'll show today is a vision of what the future could be like. And any vision of what the future could be like has to, uh, almost like going back to the day of the Jetsons, where the robot was kind of providing care for them. Rosie, right? (laughs) Uh, I think uh, there are many companies from Apple to Google to Best Buy, uh, trying to develop artificial intelligence in a robot in a, in a format that will interact well with seniors and help them uh, manage their own care uh, with less people. And based on the demographics, uh, I think that that absolutely has to happen in order to meet the need that's coming in the next couple of decades. Do you have, um, you know, I, I 
was thinking about this when I was thinking for this show. You know, the ability we have now with like Google Maps and Google Street View to sort of walk around places on the world. Sure. Do is that something that you offer to? I could see a person who who who's been in one of these facilities for a while. You know, sitting down and being able to maybe even with a VR headset. You know, walk through the streets of Paris again, or you know, walk through their hometown, that sort of thing. Yeah, Morning Spark has has had several pilot programs with the virtual reality. Well, there are all kind of things. You can walk down the Great Wall of China. You can see mountains you've never seen. Uh, one of my favorites that I've seen happen is somebody putting on one of those, and you ask them what their childhood home was. Maybe even somebody with memory or cognitive issues, and you put it into Google Maps, and the next thing you know, you're standing in your neighborhood, right? And I've seen the facial expression of somebody that maybe has, uh, you know, started with dementia and maybe some Alzheimer's, being in their childhood home and the familiarity and the joy and actually seeing their house. And with this virtual reality, you can turn around and, oh, there's where my neighbor, you know, Betsy used Mm -hmm. to live. And, oh, there's where my, uh, uh, you know, neighbor John used to live. And that's where I used to play basketball when I was growing up. And uh, I I think that those kind of interventions will continue to happen. I do think, though— that my experience and our experience so far with those are those are one-offs and nice, but not something you want to keep coming back to on a, on a regular basis. And so that's very important. But the development of a robot that could make sure you take your meds properly, uh, maybe monitor what's going on with your health conditions and alert somebody if there's a problem, uh, I think that's going to really be something that's going to make a difference every day in people's lives. Another thing that just popped into my head is, is you know, we're getting to the point where people who are moving into places like Moorings Park grew up in a world with video games. Uh, are you do 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 you have residents who game? You know, it seems like especially maybe five or ten years from now, you certainly will, whether you like it or not. I I think that there are, uh, are a lot of tools developing that Moorings Park has looked at, and we'll probably pick one over the next couple of months but but we've had like in our assisted living we've had the Wii right because that you could get up you get a lot of activity yeah, yeah. there's a lot of fun but there's some now that are developing that are actually part of a uh, evaluation so it's fun and you're playing a game and like you know you're trying to destroy cakes that are flying on the screen without getting bugs or whatever it would be and uh Yet it's actually measuring your movement and it's actually uh analyzing it and uh those kind of things will allow for a lot of early intervention into problems uh, that will improve the health span of seniors moving forward. I talked to a researcher on this show who deals with uh, early onset dementia, and there's certain games that, that people can play that have shown actual progress in staving off the onset of dementia. Is that a part of your world too? Sure. We have, uh, we've, we've had several programs. We've had UCLA Train the Brain. We've been a certified for that. We have DACUM is a specific vendor. We have rooms in all of our buildings that have DACUM software where you go in every day and you go through a bunch of exercise and it does uh, help stave off the loss of memory. But most of the science is uh, saying the best thing you can do is actively exercise. And so we focus a lot on that as well. A lot of people want to stay in their home. Does Moorings Park offer any kind of facilitation of home stay? We do. We have a home health agency and uh, we have probably 100 or so clients in the greater community that we're providing services that help them stay in the home. 
So back to the workforce thing. Um, other than just, I mean, like, like what's going to change that dynamic? Like if you had a, a magic wand, what would be the thing that could change that workforce dynamic as we have a growing body of people who need it and not enough people to provide the care? I, I think I've already discussed it. It's going to have to be technology, right? And I, I think one of the things I'm going to tell the students today, and I'm going to encourage them to go into this field, numbers are numbers, right? The needs are going to increase because people over 65 need services. So that's just a problem that is not going to be solved just on the sheer number of people that are coming through the, the pipeline. So what we're going to have to do and what we're going to have to focus on, and we're talking not next year, but certainly within the next 15 or 20 years, is make sure that technology advances so that one person can do more work, right? And so the monitoring that sometimes today takes people can be done uh, without people. Um, last question. I, I asked you how big the change was from 2006 to 2023. And I know technology is changing more rapidly now than it has over the past 16 years. Can you envision what Moorings Park will look like and what the experience will be like for people who live there in 10 years? I mean, can you, is it even envisionable, you think? I, I don't think that there's any doubt about it. Um, and, and I think we're making progress to there already. First of all, you know, you're going to get up uh, right now at Moorings Park. You can go on the web and see what all kind of activities are available today. That'll be a lot easier to do, right? You'll have your iPad. It'll tell you. You've already told it what you have interest in. You can't do everything. It'll start to tell you, hey, these are some things based on the past choices you've made uh, that will uh, you, you might be interested in. Uh, I think that there will be more contact at that point if you want it, right, because you might not want it with somebody that, you know, you might have some problem that you're dealing with. You know, my shoulder's hurting a little bit. I don't know if I should go to exercise class or not. You know, you'll be able to get instant intervention. We're already seeing it change. You know, pre-COVID, it was very rare that our resident wanted to interact with the physicians we have without being like you and I are right now, sitting right across from them, right? Now we've got Epic uh, that Naples Community Hospital just went with, and so now, as people have come out of COVID, communication has often taken place, uh, you know, through the EPIC system and through the EPIC Through a portal, screen. Through a screen. Yeah. And I think that's going to continue uh, to go on. I think there's going to be some things that aren't going to change at all. Uh, people are still going to really look forward to getting dressed, probably differently than they are today, <laughs> coming down to the dining room, interacting with several food, uh, with friends, and having that experience with uh, great food and great interaction that the social connection still stays uh, very, very um, real and prevents people from getting isolated. Any final thoughts before I let you go? No, and we've already piloted some of this stuff with this technology. And uh, it's not quite ready for prime time, but if you ask me 10 to 15 years ago, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, like. but technology sounds like the key. You know, it sounds like what, you know, technology, uh, you know, uh, thoughtfully used technology is going to be a key to making this all work as this whole dynamic continues. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank my guest, Dan Lavender, is CEO of Moorings Park in Naples. Dan, thank you so much for coming in and talking with me Thank today. you. Enjoyed it.
I spoke with Mr. Lavender last week while he was on the FGCU campus to give a talk as part of the FGCU Provost's Seminar Series in partnership with the Naples Discussion Group. To hear the conversation I mentioned with the researcher at USF in Tampa about her work studying video games that can help stave off dementia, visit our website, wgcu.org gcl. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. <laughs>